2: We give you all the viral stories that are just about to drop. Just please, oh please, oh please,
1: oh please, don't let this flop. If you keep scrolling, 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 and you're never gonna stop, then please, oh please, oh please, oh please, don't let this flop. From stupid songs and dances, all the cultural advances, we will cover them from bottom to the top. Just please, oh please, oh please, oh please, I promise you'll appease our please, oh please, please, oh please, don't let this flop. Hi, I'm EJ Dixon. And I'm Brittany Spanos. Welcome to Don't Let This Flop. A
0: podcast about TikTok and internet culture brought to you by Rolling Stone.
1: Where millennials talk about teens, but not in a weird way.
0: Let's kick off with a prayer for Ben Platt, who got roasted to death last week. So the Dear Evan Hansen adaptation came out, and I didn't see it. I'm not going to. I don't care. But it's gotten absolutely atrocious reviews, most of which have focused on how old Ben Platt, who is 28— is to play Evan Hansen, the title character, who's supposed to be in high school.
1: Have you ever felt
3: like nobody was there? Have you ever felt forgotten in the middle of nowhere? Have you ever felt like
2: you could disappear? Like you could fall and no one would hear?
0: Even when the dark comes crashing through, when you need a friend to carry you, and when you're broken on the ground, you will be found. The Times said he was less convincing than John Travolta in Greece. Vulture called it an unofficial orphan remake. It's been really brutal. And a lot of these critiques have originated on musical theater TikTok, which has been Pretty badly roasting Platt for the past few months, ever since the first trailer came out in May.
1: Dear Evan Hansen, the movie is a tragic disaster. Listen, it brings me no joy to say this, but Ben
3: Platt is Lynn manuel Miranda for gay people.
1: Yeah, and it doesn't help that Ben Platt has been enormously defensive about this criticism and kind of a prick about it. And he said on Zach Sang's show basically that he created the role, he workshopped it for three years, and the movie version wouldn't exist Without him. So that negates any criticism he gets for being old, I suppose, is the idea.
0: So, yeah, I mean, obviously, old actors playing high schoolers is nothing new. Stockard Channing was in her 30s when she played Rizzo in Grease, famously. Rachel Mm -hmm. McAdams was 26 when she played Regina George. So what makes this particularly egregious, in your opinion, Brittany?
1: I think a lot of people had already initially problems with the show, right? Like, I think there was already some— innate issues with how the show kind of dealt with suicide and and all the kind of really dark themes in it and i've never seen the show or the movie um so this is just coming secondhand from theater friends who felt sort of iffy and the same reasons that people felt iffy about 13 reasons why where they're like what is who is this for and what is the purpose um of like or the audience for these topics um and, yeah, I think, like, also just, yeah, Ben Platt's response to it has been bad from the start. Like, he was initially really weird when the trailer came out and people sort of pointed out that, you know, he looked very out of place. Um, yeah, it's a, it seems like a hair and makeup <laughs> issue. Like, they only could do so much. And so it's just it's not good all around. It, it kind of reminds me of Cats, like—
0: When the cats trailer came out with the with the special effects and they were just roundly roasted, like that was kind of the same reaction that people had to the dear Evan Hansen trailer. Just he just looked so ridiculous. He looked like the the closest comparison I could make is that he looked like um he looked like a 17-year-old playing John Proctor in the Crucible. (laughs) or, like, Giles Corey in The Crucible with, like, old-age makeup. (laughs) But, like, he was supposed to look like he was 17 years old.
1: Yeah, and I think, you know, people have been roasting him because of, like, the nepotism thing, right? Like, his dad's a a really famous producer, and, like, how he kind of didn't play that part up as well, or, like, didn't really, like, acknowledge the fact that— That's another reason why he got the role in the movie is I believe his dad is producing the movie and has produced a ton of really big budget films like this. And so, um, you know, the way he just sort of went around the very direct criticism that everyone was giving him and try to play it off um, and get defensive is just really the issue. Like once you get defensive, it's like easier to roast you.
0: The movie kind of flopped when it came out. I think I think it made like 7.6 million or or something, you know, very disappointing like that domestically. Um, I mean, do you think that the, the roasting had something to do with it?
1: Yeah. And I, I just don't think that, um, you know, when people, it's a very like Broadway people show, right? Like that show was like, didn't really have a, a sort of like big cultural impact in the way that something like In the Heights did, for example, like In the Heights kind of went further and beyond Broadway where there was a little bit more of a universal appeal. And like Dear Evan Hansen is very classically um, old school theater and Broadway and, you know, suddenly has this big budget film that already has all these controversies around it. I think people were kind of like turned off from the start. Um, You know, the people that you'd want to reach for a movie production of, of a big Broadway show. So it didn't really have that like, that sexiness to it that you'd want in like a, a musical adaptation. Like at least with cats, like the songs are recognizable and you had like big names in it.
0: Yeah, I mean I think that's the big thing. Like if you make something about high schoolers for high schoolers, you can kind of just expect to get roasted because they can smell inauthenticity like a mile away. And they've been and they've been like promoting on TikTok, you know, they have like sponsored ads on TikTok. They've been like Ben Platt is not you know, has his own presence on TikTok, which is sort of, you know, cringy in and of itself. Um, where he sings like, you know, The Little Mermaid and stuff um, and does all these like insane vocal riffs. Um, so I think I think that they have they really tried to use TikTok as a platform to sort of reach the, you know, the target audience. And it kind of backfired tremendously.
1: So let's check in on what Straight TikTok is doing. So Burger King is trying to compete with McDonald's over its celebrity meal collabs, and it's assembled like a shadow universe of celebs to parallel McDonald's. McDonald's has Sweetie and Jay Balvin and BTS, and Burger King has Nellie, Anita, who is this Brazilian pop star, and Lil' Huddy, aka Chase Hudson, best known for being the ex of Charlie D'Amelio, who we talked about in the pilot, and for being one of the most prominent figures in the pop punk revival, um, to some some degree of success. He'll probably go like mildly far in the pop-punk universe if he sticks with it. But, you know, it seems like a a stretch to think he'll be a lifer in pop-punk. He's very much like a 10-year-old girl's idea of what hot is. And, yeah, he's, he's a little huddy. Now he has this Burger King meal, which seems kind of already a little bit uh, less exciting than, say, Saweetie's kind of strange multiple combinations of how you can put chicken nuggets on a Big Mac and cover them with fries and sweet and sour sauce.
3: Burger King banned 120 artificial ingredients from its food. So why keep it real with a spicy chicken? You can leave off the pickles. Never really been my thing. Try the Chase Hudson meal. With food so real, Burger King had me put my real name
0: on it.
1: And I do love how the commercial makes it so obvious. The these meal are- is a spicy
0: chicken sandwich with cheese, mozzarella sticks, and a chocolate shake, which kind of seems like they just took everything that, like, like does separate things that people are interested in, like that they did, you know, like focus group testing, like, Oh, like 14 year olds like mozzarella sticks. They like, they like milkshakes. They like chicken sandwich. And they just kind of like threw them together to make a meal because those things do not go together
1: in my opinion. I didn't even know they had mozzarella sticks at Burger King. I know that was an option that you can get. Or was it just like specifically for the little huddy meal?
0: I think I, I feel, I don't, I don't know the answer to that, but I feel in my heart, (laughs) like
1: it's an option.
0: You know, it just, it just sounds right that Burger King would have mozzarella sticks.
1: Yeah. And it's also them eliminating 120 artificial ingredients from its menu. So this is the idea that it's like keeping it real. Um, But yeah, the meal, the meal doesn't sound very good.
0: Yeah. I also just have like an aversion to like meat, like chicken and cheese or like fish and cheese, I think because my husband's Italian. So I think, and that's like uh, verboten. In that culture that, yeah, so I just have, like, sort of, like, an instinctual aversion to that.
1: It also feels less like what, again, like, I, I don't think, like, Burger King already has mozzarella sticks, so it feels less like something he would order there as opposed to, like, Saweetie, where it seems very clear that she would order, uh, ba- based off of, like, all of her, like, weird food videos on her Instagram and Twitter, like, it seems like she would genuinely order, like, chicken McNuggets, a Big Mac, and, like, fries and, like, put them all in, like, weird combinations together. Because she already does that. Like, we already have that sort of, like, that part of her that we understand. Like, the BTS meal also seemed like something they, like, would order from McDonald's. I think it was just, like, chicken nuggets or something and, like, fries and, like, some, like, other random thing. But, yeah, it seems a little le- little disingenuous to what Lil Huddy would order at Burger King.
0: Yeah, that's what's so, like, bizarre about these, like— a big brand TikToker collaborations to me is it just seems so like retro and like they're sort of like retrofitting and like reverse engineering, like a, a commodifiable meal around this person's like personality, which isn't really that strong or recognizable to begin with. Like, I mean, yeah. I'm mean, I i I'm sure that you had the Charlie last year when Dunkin' Donuts
1: made the Charlie. I actually didn't try it, but I remember seeing it.
0: The sweet it's really
1: good. Yeah, the sweet foam didn't sound like something I would enjoy. I like a more classic Dunkin' Donuts situation. Um, and the sweet foam sounded a little too much for me.
0: But it was clearly something that, like, she would not have ordered. Because, first of all, I mean,
1: I didn't drink coffee when I was 16. I I, I highly yeah. doubt that Charlie does, Oh, too. I was, like, obsessed with, like, Frappuccinos and stuff when I was a kid. Like, when I was, like, a teenager. Oh, really? Yeah, and, like, I feel like there's such a big culture around iced coffee on TikTok like, that's such a big, like, so many videos are, like, people showing off the way that they make their iced coffee at home, like, really elaborate, like, super gross. Like, usually, like, a lot of, like, syrup and milk, and it's barely coffee, but, like, it's a, a big sort of brand of TikToks. And also, like, Starbucks drinks or drink orders are really big on TikTok. Like, I feel like teens, I mean, I don't know, it's, like, a big part, like, going to Starbucks as a teen was a big thing for for me and my friends. Like, we would hang out at Starbucks and, like... Always get like really gross frappuccinos that I don't think I would enjoy as much now because they were just milkshakes basically. But I guess Emma Chamberlain
0: is really into iced coffee too. Like yeah. that's part of her brand. I guess it is sort of like a teenager thing—is like making iced coffee part of your brand. Yeah. So I guess it sort of makes sense. But I don't—I don't know if this. I I just don't feel like Little Huddy is a recognizable enough name to sell. Like, a spicy chicken sandwich with cheese and mozzarella sticks and a chocolate shake. Like, and the other people yeah. that they have in this campaign are, like, Nelly, who—like, what is Nelly doing?
1: Yeah. Anita is huge. Anita's like, a big get for it. And she did, like, a big commercial that was featured in, um, I believe, the VMAs. They were kind of, like, doing, like, a million Anita Burger King commercials. So she's, like, the the biggest person that they definitely have for this. Like, she has a huge fandom. I think that's the first I heard of her. Is her is yeah. her at the VMA's. Yeah. So she she's pretty big, but yeah, little Huddy, I I did get a friend who is also on on TikTok daily and she saw an ad for it and she sent it to me and she was like who is this? So <laughs> I don't know. I don't know that he was the the best choice.
0: In other news, Addison Ray got called out for mispronouncing Versace and I can't deal with it. Like basically, she got her makeup done at the Versace show and made a video about it for the Versace account. And I and I'm pronouncing it the way that it's supposed to be pronounced, apparently, which is Versace. But yeah. she pronounced it Versace. Hey,
3: y'all. It's Addison. I'm getting my makeup and hair done right now for the Versace show tonight. I'm so excited. I can't see anything. I'm going to do another post with the finished look. Um, so
0: stay tuned. Follow Versace for
2: the finished look after.
0: I'm done. I think it's like a fairly minor difference. Like I, I don't, you know, she didn't, yeah. it didn't, it didn't sound that bad to me, but people started freaking out about it and leaving comments saying like, girl, it's Versace and like she doesn't even know how to pronounce it.
1: LOL. That's the thing. This is such like a minor, so, so minor. First off, like, m- the majority of humans in the world do not know the difference between Versace and Versace. Like, most people are pronouncing it Versace, I would say. I feel like that's like, I feel like there's like probably like a small amount of people who then, because people hate As and Ray, are like, have like glommed onto it and made it such a thing. But I would say the majority of people don't know that it's pronounced Versace. 99.9% of Americans pronounce it Versace. Yeah. And that's not like, a problem. Even if she said Versace, like, I would still be like, you know what? Like, there are, I didn't know how to pronounce Louboutin for a very, I called it Louboutin for, like, a very long time and had a full fashion internship and embarrassed myself. So I'm, I'm pro S and right in this fight. I'm on her side. Stand, well, Versace stand would be. I
0: mean, the obvious Versace parallel is to that iconic scene in Showgirls where Elizabeth Ber- where Berkeley pronounces it Versace. So I would think if yeah. she if she pronounced it Versace, it would be like a winking nod to that. Nice dress. Thanks. I bought it at Versace, and I would really respect that. Like that would be awesome if Addison Ray really pronounced, like, like demonstrated to her fan base that she was a fan <laughs> of Showgirls. <laughs> but she she made a video about it. Um, where she pronounces it correctly multiple times, and she later deleted it. But, I mean, it shows that she clearly took it in stride.
3: So, I'm super excited to be here at the Versace show, with Versace at the Versace show. Right, guys? Versace!
0: Yeah, I mean, so I, I asked my husband not to bring my Italian husband <laughs> back into the podcast again. But, I mean, he he said Versace, he said Versace is the Italian pronunciation. But honestly, who cares? I don't care.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I don't—it's one of those things, again, where it's like a pile on where— because some people who were more in the know and kind of knew that this is the way to pronounce it started up, and because of, like, it's, you know, it's easy to poke fun at ass and right, it's now become, like, a thing that is such a non-thing. Like, the majority of people probably also piling on to her— we're pronouncing it the same way, I'm sure. Do we want to talk about how Addison Rae is being replaced
0: by Megan Fox as Kourtney Kardashian's best friend?
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, it was bound to happen. They're they're in like the perfect sort of like like double date scenario with Travis Barker and Machine Gun Kelly. Um, Addison Rae is not dating a, a pop punk celebrity at the time. So now we have Megan Fox and Kourtney Kardashian, which I love as a friendship. Like, I'm obsessed with this.
0: Yeah. So basically, Allison Ray and Kourtney Kardashian are, are BFFs, um, strategic BFFs. Um, we ta- we've talked about it before mm-hmm. on the pilot. Um, Kourtney made a cameo appearance in her movie. He's all that. Um, you know, they're out on the town together. They make TikToks together. Um, they've been friends for a really long time and everybody's been like, hmm, this is kind of a weird thing because Courtney is, what, like 20 years older than Addison? But it's sort of become a part of both of their brands. And then, you know, Courtney Kardashian starts hanging out. She starts dating Travis Barker and she starts hanging out with Megan Fox and Machine Gun Kelly and they take all these really um, horny photos together, Um, like the pics that went viral at the VMAs. Um, where all, they're all just making out and it's just like Tongue City and people become yeah. obsessed with them. And then um, Megan Fox appears in a Skims ad, which is Kim Kardashian's like shapewear line with Kourtney Kardashian and everybody starts speculating that Addison Rae and Kourtney Kardashian have had a falling out as a result.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I I don't know necessarily that it was probably a falling out. I feel like, again, like the... A lot of their friendship was strategic, um, you know, leading to Kourtney Kardashian's incredible film debut. And yeah, I don't know that there was a big dramatic thing because we've been seeing, you know, Kourtney and Megan hanging out for a long time because of Machine Gun Kelly and, and Travis Barker. But I don't know, the friendship was already very strange. Her presence on Keep Up with the Kardashians, like I haven't watched the show super regularly in years, but I did see a lot of clips of that going viral because. It was just, like, the most insane sort of way of Addison coming into this family dynamic. And even all of the sisters being like, why is Courtney hanging out with a a 20-year-old? So <laughs> it's just a very strange friendship. It's for the best that they both move on and find people more age-appropriate to hang out with.
0: I feel like we should play that Sarah McLaughlin song Um the, the I will remember you song that plays, <laughs> that plays on like the high school <laughs> like prom yeah. montages
1: a clip show of their of their Instagram post together
0: yeah <laughs> pour one out for them
1: I will remember you. No, no, no. will you
0: So Brittany, have you have you been getting these restaurant review TikToks on your For You page?
1: All the time. I get so many New York kind of check out this secret spot uh, TikToks constantly. Um, my algorithm has definitely pinpointed exactly where I live and places that I should go to. So can
0: you d- can you describe basically like what these videos like what what template do they follow?
1: So a lot of the videos are kind of this um, montage of people, like, eating or drinking at different restaurants and clubs. Um, There's usually a voiceover. uh, Typically, like, just like one person sort of describing, like, you have to check out this hotspot, like, making the case that this is, like, the go-to place for, you know, to see, like, celebrities, to see people to be seen, to, like, try this food, to go there. Um, You know, it's very kind of intensely recommended Um, narration. Usually pretty fast-paced. A lot of people kind of kind of yelling at you um, to go to these places.
3: <laughs> so basically everyone who's anyone in New York city has eaten that via Corota, And if you haven't, please get with the program. Don't to us to check out the scene. And as expected, we had a celebrity sighting. Had to start with an Aperol spritz and pretty much every appetizer on the menu. Their vegetable game is unmatched. The fried zucchini, artichokes and grilled vegetables are amazing. And yes, they do cancel out the carbs from the cacio e pepe. Simple math. We also got the ragu and this incredible pesto pasta finished with the tiramisu and grilled peaches with mascarpone. If you can find a way to get a table,
0: you better go. The videos have this very specific tone where they're like, it's almost like bullying, like, like very upbeat bullying. Like they're trying to convince you to go to this specific restaurant, but they're like incredibly aggressive. Yeah. About it. Um, (laughs) And I've been sending these to people um, for like months being both like, we need to go here. And also like, these are so obnoxious, but also I'm weirdly obsessed with them. Um, so I, I feel like they're successful in that regard. Like they're, they're just the right amount of annoying, but also aspirational.
1: And they're a pretty mixed bag too, right? Like where it's like, some of them are genuinely giving you like really great recommendations where you're finding out places that have just opened up or places where kind of have become like the new place that. Celebrities are like eating dinner at that are super popular, like Demois or like different sort of tabloidy places. Um, and then there are some where it's like this is like a secret spot, and it's Le Bon at <laughs> like um, oh my god, what's the name of the hotel? It's like ran, It's like places that are like genuinely very big, and like Le Bon at the standard, and it's like it's not that secret. So that's always kind of the fun is treating it like the the little gatekeeping of it is always very funny.
0: Yeah, and I think there's also um uh, there's there's immense privilege that comes like with influencer culture like the and the, and these are primarily like very beautiful young white women who are just like showing off their wealth and their ability mm-hmm. to eat at these incredible restaurants
1: every night. It's always night. Manhattan.
0: It's always always Manhattan. All yeah, it's never outer borough. Like you never see like a like a TikTok in the Bronx or or even like Brooklyn really? Yeah.
1: It's very rare. I, you'll see some Williamsburg, um Occasionally. Content? But I very rarely see um, recommendations for places to go in, in any of the outer boroughs. Like, it's always Manhattan. It's always like this club is like, you know, in the me packing district in Manhattan, or like this is in the East Village. Like, it's really never outside of Manhattan.
0: So, people have started, there, there's this one specific account that makes a lot of these. Um, it's these two women, Megan and Audrey, and they have this, this account called the VIP List which has 364,000 followers, and they basically review restaurants and bars and have these experiences all over New York. And they've kind of patented this, like, very upbeat, very, like, you have to fucking go to Lucien. Like, it's, <laughs> if if you don't get the cheese fondue, like, fuck you, you're an asshole. Um, that's, like, very much, they've, they, they've kind of, like, patented that tone, and people have started making parodies of them, um, which are pretty hilarious. And we decided... To have them on our show to talk about their content and like what it's like to go viral and be parodied in real time.
2: It took us all around the city while we were literally thriving in the hot tub and chugging rosé with Lady Liberty.
0: So
2: can you
1: guys,
0: can you guys really quickly introduce yourselves? Yeah, no problem. I'm Meg. I'm, um, Audrey. Meg I'm Audrey.
3: And that's Audrey. <laughs>
0: So can you guys tell me about how how you started the VIP list on TikTok? Yeah, basically, um,
3: me and Audrey, we've known each other since preschool. We've been best friends since preschool. And we were so bored during quarantine. I was in my New York shoebox apartment. And And I was in Miami. Yeah, and she was in Miami. And I was like, "Do you know what? Like, let me download TikTok. I'm so bored. So I started watching people's videos, and they were telling people where to go and, like, where to party. And I was like, if anyone knows where to go and where to party, it's us. So I posted uh, the first, like, club review. I reviewed Marquee, and it hit, like, 10K views. And at that time, I was like, oh, my God, I'm going viral, like— So I called Audrey immediately and I was like, listen, like we could have a business from this.
2: Yeah. And then basically, so I was in Miami and I also was doing a lot of work with nightlife and also restaurants in Miami. So basically we started with uh, New York and Miami, like using content from our pre-quarantine lives and posting that on TikTok. And it just kind of kept growing and gaining momentum. So eventually, like when my lease was up in Miami, I moved to New York and we... Started and kept going. Yeah, and here we are. (laughs) Did
0: did you guys find it hard to make um, content during during lockdown? Because obviously, like, the restaurant scene looked a lot different last year than it does now.
3: Yeah, absolutely. Like, so... First things first, I've always had like the most obnoxious Instagram and Snapchat story. Like I always took so much content and Audrey had so much content from her restaurant work, like working in the restaurants. So we literally had so much content. Like we would be making music videos, reusing the content. And then we would also do like takeout reviews were a huge thing. Like we would be reviewing like from like like Nobu takeout, Capital Grill takeout, like things like that. Um, So that was something that we could do from home during quarantine, which was really nice. We did that when we ran out of nightclub stuff.
2: Yeah, because we both just had a lot of content from before lockdown. Like I was doing an internship in the hospitality industry in Miami. And I also always loved going out to eat and like going out in general and same with Meg. So we basically just used all of that until we ran out. And then we transitioned from that into takeout and cocktail recipes and stuff like that.
3: Yeah, we didn't even do food at first. Like we were doing more like lifestyle content. And then we when we ran out, we're like, maybe we should just try to put like something food up Just to see what happens. And that ended up being our niche that like was the best.
0: How do you guys afford to, to have all these incredible meals? Are they comped by the restaurant or do you guys pay for them yourselves?
2: So it depends. Yeah, we Um, do, we do a little bit of both. Um, restaurants definitely reach out to us and ask us to come in. And if that's the situation, then it will be a comp, but. Um, otherwise, like a lot of times we do pay for our own meals because we work like we work 24 seven. Basically, we both do VIP lists full time. So through doing that, we're able to make enough to also.
3: Yeah. And also in order to be like, like give the most candid review possible, we've learned that like paying for it is better because then you could say whatever you want. You know what I'm saying? Like if a restaurant's coming a meal, you're not gonna be like, oh, this was so bad, you know? So. But whenever we do have a comp and, like, say we don't like it, we just don't post.
2: Yeah, we'll we'll tell the restaurant. We'll kind of give them the option. Like, we could either do a very honest review of how our actual experience was and post that, but it's not going to be positive. Or we could just refrain from posting since we're working with the restaurant. Yeah. We're not going to just, like, kind of, Yeah, like, and show also,
3: it. like, the, the best restaurants don't comp for influencers like the most the hardest restaurants to get into in new york the ones that you can barely get a reservation at they don't need influencers so we've like we we really do um we do pay for a lot of them yeah
0: so how did you guys notice like is it so i i've been following you guys for a while but it hasn't been until recently that i started noticing that you guys were being parodied like pretty extensively so how did you guys first become aware of that
2: Um, people were tagging us like a lot of our followers were tagging us in the comments and like, I forget if I saw it first or Meg saw it first or one of us saw it and like sent it to the other. And we were like, Oh my God, like this is hilarious. Like,
3: and, and it just like. It's so funny like that one girl made a video and now it's a complete trend and they just keep getting funnier and it came to the point where we I don't know if you saw we reviewed Lucienne because like the original girl was like we went to Lucienne it was just so fucking good so we like went there to like parody ourselves. So yesterday we went to the super low-key hidden gem called Lucien because we heard it's just so fucking good. So obviously we'll be the judge of that. You're welcome. We had to start with some Cabernet cocktails and escargot. If you don't eat escargot, please grow up. We also got the steak tartare, French onion soup, and the wedge salad with a poached egg. And yes, it was money shot central. For entrees, we got the steak frites, lobster pasta, and this filet mignon à poivre, 10 out of 10. You thought we wouldn't get a dessert spread? Please,
0: Lucienne is 100% worth the hype. Go cry about it. Oh, so this, this comes from like, this comes from one girl's TikTok.
2: Yeah. 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 And then like, now it's a whole trend to, to do that. Cause she posted a video and it like went viral and then another girl posted a similar video and that also went viral. So I think from like the combination of those, just like other people started catching on and doing it as well.
0: Yeah. Why do you think people find your guys' videos so funny?
3: because we're we're like obnoxious like they're supposed to be satire that's what people don't understand like like we're not like we're not that extra like we 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 it's so exaggerated
2: it's so exaggerated and i think that people just like see it and either some people honestly a lot of people think that it's not satire which is like where all the hate comments come from but um yeah i just feel like people see it and they're like well it's just like it's different than a lot of the Other restaurant reviews that are out there
3: yeah like I think we have like a very unique perspective but yeah people don't get the satire like we have a video right now up about nougatine and in the video I'm like sometimes you just gotta say fuck it and spend $80 on a finger sandwich like obviously I'm not serious like that's an absurd thing to do like you don't think that's actually relatable yeah like like, people don't get it like it's all a joke (laughs) (laughs) sometimes you just gotta say fuck it
0: and spend $80 on a finger sandwich
3: how about a fuck no I'm not spending $80 on a fingerling sandwich with baby grapes on it
0: but it it clearly like isn't entirely satire right because you guys have built a business on these restaurant reviews and you're like genuinely you know recommending these restaurants to people yeah
3: yeah absolutely it's just like our unique way of doing it Mm -hmm. like it's our it's it's our take on like how we like how we do it like I don't know no one wants to like so many people who review restaurants um and people can be like oh like the pizza was good the pasta was good but like we just decided to be obnoxious and extra as hell yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah. yeah and meg were you in the hospitality business at all too and is there kind of a goal to keep this going and growing beyond beyond tiktok
3: yeah so i actually i i like waitressed like my whole high school and college but i actually worked in finance i just left my finance job to do this mm-hmm. full time recently um, and yeah, we, we do restaurant consulting for a lot of restaurants in the city and we definitely plan on, uh, like we do a lot of social media management, restaurant consulting, events with restaurants. So yeah, we're definitely gonna be getting deeper and deeper into the hospitality industry. It's definitely our focus.
0: What do you make of the comments that are like, these girls are so privileged, like this is such, you know, consumerist garbage. Like I'll I see that feel- a lot on your on your page.
2: Yeah, there's definitely a lot of comments like that. and. I mean, it's, it's just comes from the fact that no one really knows like who we actually are and people just see this character online, like the way that we present our reviews and just make assumptions based on that. Like if, especially the people who don't think it's satire, they're, they're just like, you're so obnoxious. You're not like, you don't give back to society, all of these things. And I just feel like it's people who don't, yeah, they don't, they don't know us. Like,
3: like literally like, People, the best is when people say daddy's money, like, I make more than both of my parents. Like, like, I, I don't, like, I don't, I come from very humble beginnings. Like, we're not white privileged. Like, we're, both we're not fully, we're, we're not, trust, yeah. we don't have trust funds. We're, we're not financially like independent. Money. Yeah, we both pay for our entire rent. We pay for everything ourselves. And I don't know why it's just, I, I feel like if we were men, like no one would be saying that. Like like for like a guy like going out to if, if a guy's going out to a nice restaurants, so people be like, oh, like your daddy's money or you're you like I don't think so. I think it's because we're women and like people just don't like to see two independent women killing it.
0: What do you make of um like why why do you think that you guys have taken off on TikTok? specifically to the degree that you have? Because obviously restaurant reviews are like, you know, that's th- that's been around forever. But why do you think yeah. TikTok has been such a good platform for you guys?
2: I feel like TikTok like is more of, it gives you a better um chance to kind of give the full experience. Whereas like Instagram food reviews are normally, well in the past were normally just like a photo with a caption or like a news article and like the New York Times, like just like detailing everything like written out with maybe like one or two photos but now with TikTok, we can show videos and like fully like do a voiceover explaining and like kind of putting you in the moment i guess
3: yeah like showing the whole experience i think that's what definitely differentiated us from like the instagram food bloggers who just like post a picture um also TikTok like we jo- we it's honestly partially luck like we joined at such a critical time like every like everyone was on their phones during quarantine so bored and if you joined TikTok at that time and were producing content like you blew up like there are like all the New York TikTokers that we came up with all like blew up at the same time you know and mm-hmm. yeah so we found that TikTok was definitely like the like the best way because it was brand new and very
1: easy to grow yeah thank you both so much no thank you thank you, you. Thank you so much it's time for the himbo of the week where we crown this week's elite himbo of TikTok and this week we have to go with Sean Mendez For his answers to the Vanity Fair lie detector test When they asked about his For You page Would people be surprised to see what's on your For You page? Uh, yeah Yes, I'm sure they would I don't know what people are expecting to be on my For You page. Sean,
3: what's on your For You page? <laughs>
1: <I don't>, things. <laughs> I'll type what's on your For You page. The stuff. That's private. Yeah. <laughs> That's why it's a For Me page. <laughs> he literally could have said anything in this. He could have said he, you know, had like a bunch of dog videos, could have been berries and cream, could have been just like, guitar content. He loves, he plays guitar. could just been pictures of guitars. Um, but he, he just said things, stuff, which I guess like also I kind of understand, right? Like, I feel like I can't fully sometimes explain everything that's on my For You page on Instagram or TikTok. But Sean, Sean just went with that.
0: I, I feel like I could. I feel like it's, It's bisexual thirst traps and musical theater content. Like, that is primarily what it is. Like, if somebody asked me what's on your For You page, that is what I would say.
1: (laughs) Because this one, he's specifically talking about Instagram, right, too, where it's, like, probably he just, like, doesn't know what that is. But also, of course, like, Sean is being constantly plagued with rumors about sexuality. And so, of course, the internet had a field day with it. Um, You know, everything about the video, people just kind of were blowing up, like— he had answered. He had answered weirdly about Joe Alwyn, um, Taylor Swift's boyfriend. Sort of said that his, like he doesn't look like a he looks like a villain because he has blue eyes. Like it was just like all of his questions were super super wacky in this interview. Um, and of course, him saying things for his for you page was a uh, non-answer that did not satisfy anyone. Yeah, I. Uh,
0: do you think that he knows how to use TikTok? Yeah, he like makes TikToks. But that doesn't mean he knows how to use.
1: Yeah. I mean he's young. I feel like he does. He I comes guess from the vine world. Yeah. I don't I trust that he knows how to use like the stuff, right? But like he's not using it regularly. Do you think
0: it's like an overly personal question? There were some people saying that, like, oh, he didn't ha- he didn't need to answer that because like asking what's on someone's for you page is like very personal. Like, do you think that's too personal?
1: I think in the context of this interview, right, like, it's a lie detector. He's being hooked up to a machine, and he seemed like he was already very nervous. Like, you could tell by all of his answers where he was just, like, didn't really know how to answer them. So he was just, like, trying to be as brutally honest as possible. Like, there was one where he said that um, he was mad that Harry Styles didn't follow him on Instagram, like, stuff like that. So I think he just probably didn't really know how to answer it. It's, like, you know, stupid not answer
0: it was really sus. Himbo-y. It was really, it was really sus. Yeah, it is very himboy to be like, no, I'm not gonna answer like what's on my for you page. <laughs> like that that's that's himbo, that's himbo behavior. Like he could have, yeah. he could have literally said, like you said earlier, he could have literally said anything. But yeah. instead he acted like it was like an offensive question. <laughs> and I feel like it's not an offensive question. At all, you know? Yeah. Like, people have asked him—interviewers have asked him much more offensive questions. Yeah.
1: But his- I'm also, like, you know, maybe he's just not scrolling through as much. Maybe, too? Yeah, maybe he's I only wanna getting Anison get Ray. <laughs> I don't want to get too defensive of Sean because, you know, he's a mega rich, like, 20-year-old pop star. But, like, I feel like if I was put on the spot on a lie detector, I would also kind of, like— nervously not really know how to answer it
0: did you like when he said um that Camilla Cabello's VMAs was it VMAs or Met Gala it's giving share
1: yeah 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 yeah. yes I was obsessed with that of course I was obsessed with that it's giving it's giving share it's <laughs> for the Met Gala she was not giving share she was um, not giving wanted, share even a little I to bit be on the record that she was absolutely not giving share um but yeah, that was an incredible video. And Lizzo I kind of wish that
0: Cher had responded to that. Like she's on Cher is unhinged enough on Twitter that like I feel like it would not be within the realm of like reasons for her to respond to that on her Twitter.
1: She probably knows that it wasn't giving Cher, so she she stayed out of it. <laughs>
0: it's not even worth commenting on.
1: <laughs> Thanks so much for listening to Don't Let This Flop this week in TikTok. Brought to you by Rolling Stone and Cumulus Podcast Network. Written and hosted by me, Brittany Spanos, and EJ Dixon. Executive produced by Jason Fine, Bridget Shelsey, and Elizabeth Garber-Paul. Edited by Matthew Whitehurst. And original music composed by Daniel Martzluft. Like and subscribe us on anywhere that you get your podcasts.